Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. You guys know not to sit down. Except my youth are back there sitting down. All right, there we go. Guys, I'm a dad. I'm going to call you out. You should know that. Put your hands out in front of you. You guys know what to do. You don't have to wait for me. Holy Spirit, come. No, no, no. You use your mouths. Invite the presence. Now, has the presence of God been in this room tonight? But is there more of him available at all times? So when we do this, it's just saying, Holy Spirit, we're doing it more for our own sakes than for his. He's already here. We're aligning our heart's posture, our invitation with our mouths saying, come, come deeper, come wider, come more into my life, more into my awareness right now than you have been until this point. So Holy Spirit, come. I think that's what I'm going to do one night when I preach. That's what we're going to do. Just Holy Spirit, come. And that's it. Because that's all that really matters. There's nothing you ever have to lack, be worried for, when you're in his presence. It's the fulfillment of nearness. For all eternity, we will be in his presence. And I, I believe that for all eternity, we will constantly have an expanding awareness and understanding of who he really is. I don't think we'll get there and be like, okay, we're here and now we know everything. I believe it'll be even close to the beginning of an awareness of who he truly is. But God, as much as I'm able to hold, as much as I'm able to comprehend, come now, reveal yourself to me. Holy Spirit, come. All right, you can be seated. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. I, um, I want to make a quick special announcement. Um, it's not on our announcements right now. We'll be... We'll be giving you guys more information this week and next weekend, but how many of you know who Jake Hamilton is? Eight of us. Okay, the rest of you are going to be pleasantly surprised. Um, Jake Hamilton is a worship leader, become a good friend of mine. He's in Redding, California, was traveling with Bethel. How many of you ever heard of like the movies, the Finger of God movies? Those. He was one of the main worship guys in those movies. And he's got an amazing testimony of his life and He's recently been going after this ministry, and it's called Fight Nights. It's actually, he has a men's ministry called The Fight, but he goes after these things called Fight Nights, and it's for marriages and relationships, and what he's doing is he's, he's creating these nights of worship and prayer where we actually fight for the restoration of God's plan over relationships and marriages. How many of you think that's a good idea? All right, well, he will be here in two weeks, so Sunday... March 19th, he's actually going to be doing worship for our services that weekend, but Sunday night, March 19th, he's going to be doing a special fight night for the entire Austin region, whoever is able to make it. So I would encourage you, if you're married, if you're looking to be married, if you're breathing, I think you should come to this. It's going to be an amazing night of worship and prayer, just going after God's plan for relationships and marriages. Sound good? Okay, Sunday, March 19th, 6 p.m. Put that in your calendar. All right. <sighs> this message feels a little funny to share on, especially after what we just experienced in worship. Um, this, this message is called Why I Worship. Um, yeah, I'm going to share it. I was still debating, Shane. Still struggling. Um, let me find it really quick. In November, 
Where is it? November 27th of last year, I had a vision. And it, it, it felt like a vision and just kind of a download from God. Just praying, which is right after Thanksgiving. It was a Sunday. I remember it was a Sunday afternoon. And I had it, and a few hours later, I actually, I had written it down in my notes, and then I emailed it to myself. It was almost an accountability to what I felt God was showing me. And I just want to read it to you and, and just set some context for where I am right now. I believe this next year will be marked by a new move of God. I see altar worship and a giving of sacrifice. There is a worship movement coming that is a movement where it won't be the signs and miracles and it won't be the salvations. It won't be anything that's a response to his presence. It will be an unabandoned, surrendered movement of worship towards the wonderful Father, the Savior, our perfect and holy Lord. It will be less about freedom from things as it will be about freedom to things. Where there seems to be a separation between... See, this is when you take notes and you see it. It didn't make sense, so... Try to figure out what I was trying to say. Where there seems to be a separation between the cries with the response of heaven, almost as if there was a distance. It's as if our awareness of the veil that has been torn, the revelation that the veil is no longer there, is going to sweep across the nation. There's going to be a pure worship in his fullness and his presence. This will be a movement that will begin to affect other places in the world. We'll begin to hear about different places that are experiencing these given times of worship. I saw Brazil, Russia, China, and somewhere in India. And what I felt like God was showing me is that so often our worship and our revivals are uh, we initiate or we actually respond to what heaven's doing towards us. Like God begins to show up and all of a sudden we respond. And it's usually marked by a healing ministry or some sort of, of response and something that's happened here. And that's when we respond. And I felt like this was a shifting. And this was us going, we're not looking for anything to come to us. We're actually worshiping purely because you're worth worshiping. That you're so good that it doesn't matter if anything comes back in return. That you are worthy of our worship. And it felt it so strong, and I wrote it down, and I can be honest with you. How many of you have ever encountered this time when you get this revelation from God, and you're like, oh, yes, that's what I'm going for, and it seems like everything in the world comes against you stepping that way? And how many of you are like me, where we sometimes blame the devil for that? And how many of us know sometimes it's just us? It's just us not being worth, or not being, how do I say this without smacking everybody hard? It's, it's us not willing to let go of and do what's required to step into what he's showing us and calling us to. It could be fear. It could be pride. It could be our failures. It could be our successes. It's something sometimes, and it's usually not as much the devil as we give him credit for. He likes to remind us of things, but he doesn't actually have the authority that we give him often. And I felt like, man, okay, God, you're calling, you're showing me something in worship that I've touched a few times, but I'm not living my life like. And worship has been hard for the last couple months. How many of you have ever had a challenge in worship? If you don't raise your hand, you're just lying to us all. <laughs> if you've never had a challenge in worship, you're either newly saved or a liar. <laughs> and I'm not sure about you, but I haven't always been doing great in worship. Worship is often a response to where I'm at. If I'm really honest, I'd say my, wor my worship is, how am I doing today? When I show up in these doors, have I already cultivated a place in my life that worship is a response? Or is it something that I am having to work myself into? If you're honest, how many of you would say that sometimes it takes two or three songs for you to get into it? I'll raise my hand. I'll be the only one. That's okay. 
Sometimes it takes me a while to get into worship. It takes me a while to let go of, brush off, drop, walk away from the things that I walked in with, realizing that, oh, this is actually about you tonight. This is actually a place where I've come to actually set some time aside to just give you everything. Some of us, it's when we're doing really bad, we don't worship well because we're stuck in our uck. Some of us, it's when we're doing really good, we don't worship well because we're kind of riding on this high. If things are great, we're telling everybody in church, distracting them from worship, saying, my life's great. (laughs) Doesn't matter where we are, we've got to come and give him everything. Am I desperate when I come here? Am I hungry? Am I joyful? Or am I just worshiping because I need something? Am I worshiping for a return? And to be honest, there's times that I don't engage in worship just because I'm distracted. Oh man, we got this going on tomorrow. I've got to make sure I've got this ready. I've got Shoot, right after church, I've got to stop by the store. I've got to... Nobody else has ever thought that. I know you haven't. You know, life gets crazy, and it can be really, really busy. How many of you are caught in the busy of life? I mean, no one's denying this. There's trauma and stress and pain. There's loneliness. There's suffering. There's all these things that are happening. There's busyness. There's our jobs, our our families, our Friends, our activities, our bills, our responsibilities, our vacations. There's everything that we do in our lives that just fill, 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 fill our time. And I'm not asking you to pretend that they don't exist. Just, just don't think about them. Put them away. Go ahead. How many of you know that's pretty silly to just say that? They do affect us, but you're being invited to bring those things to worship. See, we sometimes say, put those things outside of the church walls and come ready to give him everything. But it's like, well, if I'm going to give him everything, why am I leaving these things out here? One of the things I hated in corporate is they're like, your personal life shouldn't affect your work life. What? Your life, life shouldn't affect your worship. What? Show up and give him everything. Like, give him your day. Come in and say, God, whoo, here it is, and I need to actually put it at your feet. Because if I don't put it at your feet, I'm going to be holding it, trying to lift my hands to worship you. And all I'm going to be worshiping is all of these distractions and all of these things that are keeping me separated from you in this moment. Lay him at his feet. Look at him. That is so key. There is a reverence in worship where we sometimes bow down. But I have seen so many people approach the Father in this posture. And, it's an, and, and what it really is is a place of feeling unworthy. Because you see yourself for what you are not. He doesn't. He's waiting for his children to look him in the eyes as a child saying, I love you, daddy. Now, are there those times where you come before him as a holy Lord? Yes, he is our Lord. He's our savior. He is our king. There are times that we should prostrate ourselves. There are times that we should just kneel and bow down and and actually understand the reverence that we should have for him. But when you don't know how to approach him as a loving father and a holy king, you're missing an aspect of God that he so desperately wants you to know. John 4. But an hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. How many of you have ever heard that verse? How many of you... I'm just going to be real. How many of you have read the Bible and it talks, there's a now statement 
and you're like, this thing's thousands of years old. When was the now? Like, when's the now? Like, sometimes it feels like, oh, that was then, or that's a coming thing, but I don't feel it right now. The reason that's a now verse is because it's always going to be true. Always. Now is the time for true worshipers to worship in spirit and in truth. So what does that mean? What is worshiping in truth? Where do you find truth? Not what's true, but truth. Where do you find truth? The word of God. How many of you read your Bibles? I do not believe you can truly worship God if you do not get into the word. I don't believe that you can worship something you don't have any relationship with. And reading the word is a relational connection between you and God. It is where you learn about his nature, his promises, his past, his present, his future, and all of those things for yourself as well. It is the only place you can go to find out exactly the truth. Now, how many of us know circumstances are true, but they always bow down to the truth of God's word? If you're not in the word of God, you cannot fully worship. So I had to go to the word to find out the truth about worship. Do you know praise and worship is mentioned over 450 times in the Bible? Over 250 of them are specifically talking about praise and worship to God. So that's your homework. Go read all 450 and outline the 250. When I read the word, I don't know about you guys, when I read the word, I like to read multiple verses or versions of the word. Anybody else? I like it because it gives me just a different aspect of the translation and the revelation that was coming to those who translated it. Not that I agree with 100% of any one translation, but I love to skip around on the translations and just, if a verse stands out, it's like, oh, I'm going to read it in five or six different versions. And guaranteed 100% of the time, one of those, all of a sudden, it's like, it's alive. Like, it's not just words. It's like, oh, oh, wow, that's it. And it could be the smallest change in a word. It could be the perception of how the word was given. But I love doing that. And I love the Passion Translation. Not for everything I read, but I love it. Sometimes I'll, I'll read it and I'm like, that's it. That's what I can feel yearning inside of me in this verse. So Psalm 100. Just the first four verses, I want to read this out of the Passion. Lift up a great shout of joy to Yahweh. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. Worship Yahweh with gladness. Sing your way into his presence with joy. And realize what this really means. We have the privilege of worshiping Yahweh our God. For he is our creator and we belong to him. We are the people of his pleasure. You can pass through these open gates with the password of praise. I love that. I'm like, I don't know if password was a word they had back when they, but I love that analogy. You can enter his gates with the password of praise. It gives you access in the gates. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come bring your offering of thanks to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. Whew. Psalm 95 too says, let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. How many of you know there's a principle in the kingdom that what you give thanks for multiplies? It grows. I sometimes think we only think that that could be a physical multiplication. It's like the loaves and fishes. Gave thanks, they multiply. I actually think it more addresses our awareness of what's really there. Because when we give thanks, our awareness of what's truly available and right there becomes more evident. 
Let's just take a moment. Like, let's pause. Why don't we stand and why don't we just thank the Father? Thank God. Thank our holy, wonderful Savior and Lord. Just, I want you with your words just to begin to thank him. There is something about stopping and thanking him. Thank you, Father. God, we just thank you for your presence. perfect in every way. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy, Holy Lord. Thank you, my King. Do you know that thankfulness prevents discouragement? Thankfulness prevents resentment. It prevents bitterness. Thankfulness actually prevents the working of the enemy in your mind because you exalt the Lord and it creates an atmosphere of truth around you that he is good all the time. Let's challenge something. I want everyone to try this. This next week, set a reminder on your phone, somewhere, calendar, whatever it is. Every hour, every hour that you're awake, stop for one minute and just thank him. What do you think will happen with your week if every hour of the day you stop and just give him thanks? It'll be really good. And give him thanks for the things that don't feel really good. If you're going through financial trouble, God, thank you that you are my provider. Thank you that you have no lack. Thank you you have a plan for me and I am not lacking anything. If you're having trouble in your relationships, God, thank you that you have designed this relationship to be perfect and pure in your sight. Thank you for giving me wisdom and grace to do what I need to do to resolve and restore this relationship. Thank you for that person that's bitter towards me, God. Thank you that they are a loved one by you more than I am in this moment because my attention is on them as well. God, thank you that you do not have bitterness towards any person, so I guard my heart from that as well. Take that challenge. I want to hear testimonies. Bob here is our testimony man. Wave your hand. This is Bob. All the testimonies that come into the church, this man facilitates for us. I want him to say, I need help. We've got too many people saying their lives are changed because they were thankful. I've had a terminal disease my whole life. God, thank you that you are the God of health. God, thank you that health is the destination that happens in your presence. Healing is the journey into your presence, God. So, Father, I thank you for health over my body. Even though I may not feel it in this moment, I know the truth of your word, and I know the truth and promise, and I know that you desire me to be healed and healthy more than I do. So thank you for that health right now. And it's going to change your life. It'll change your life. All right, you can be seated. Hmm, now I'm getting stirred up. Oh man, it's gonna get scary in a minute. Thank you for those crazy guys that tackle me in worship. I didn't hear any amens on that one. <laughs> you know, I've thought this thought a long time. It's, it's a common thought I have when it comes to worship. And we've talked about it. I think Shane talked about it. Jahi hit on it. In Matthew 6, Jesus prayed for God's kingdom to come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Everybody know that verse? Okay, lie if you don't. Just say, yes, I know that verse. Have you ever actually wondered what it would look like if heaven actually manifests itself here on earth? Like, no separation. On earth as it is in heaven. I mean, Jesus taught us to pray like that. If he 
taught us to pray for that, that means it's accessible. I want, if I never see it, I'm going to die trying. I want to see the kingdom come, his will done on earth as it is in heaven. Is his will ever not done in heaven? So I want to be in a place where his will is always done on earth. Always. What's happening in heaven right now? According to the book of Revelation, the church in heaven is continuously worshiping God. Without end. So when we actually talk about heaven and earth coming together, it's not just about witnessing supernatural miracles, feeling his presence. It's not about salvations. People aren't getting saved in heaven. It's kind of the prerequisite. Hope you all knew that. If not, just come up. We'll take care of that right now. It's about earth aligning itself with the glory and splendor of God in a constant state of worship. If God showed up in his fullness the way he is in heaven, we wouldn't choose to worship. It would be an automatic response because his glory is so perfect that you cannot help but worship. This is training ground. This is us deciding to put his presence and the truth of who he is above our circumstances and our lives and our wills. When we actually say, I'm coming to worship, we are choosing to agree that he is perfect. We are training for eternity. You know, I, I've had, it's going to sound crazy, I've had face-to-face encounters with God. I've had, I, had a, I had an encounter where Jesus in the flesh showed up. I can't talk about it without losing it. So, <laughs> I can say this. I truly believe in the friendship of God. It's in the word. He calls us friends. But I can also tell you, standing in the presence that close, friendship was not, I wasn't aware of friendship. I was aware of holiness. He hit it great. How is it the God that is so perfect and holy can invite us to be right there with him? I don't understand it. And I've been buckled to my knees in his presence. Because every bit of my unworthiness became present in his worthiness. But in that moment, I also saw how he saw me and there was no unworthiness in me. It's hard to explain because it doesn't make sense. It's like the Trinity. Three and one. Makes sense because we make it make sense, but the holiness of God creates a response of worship. It cre- being in the pureness of his presence creates this place in you that just has to worship. It's like the spirit man inside of you finally says, that's it. That's what it's all about. I don't have anything else in the way. It's all about you. I remember when I first got saved and I read there's worship in heaven all the time. I remember thinking, I've been to several churches. God, I hope we don't have to do that forever. I'm just being real. I I also didn't understand that worship was towards him, not about me in the room. But I just, I, even what we do in the most amazing times here, that's not what we're going to do for eternity. It's going to be different because it's going to be so perfect, perfect and pure that you're not going to be able to choose how you respond. You just will. I mean, it talks about the 24 elders casting their thrones. That's not a one-time event. It's a continual thing because the moment that the crowns are back on their heads, they cast them down because they realize there's nothing of worth outside of you. 
a constant place of worship. I'm like, God, give me a taste of it, but not too much. I love my wife and kids. I want to be around a little longer. You give me too much, I'm just going to pop. I'm done. I'm out of here. All right, I just want to hit a few verses just because these are verses that have stood out. Like I said, if you're not in the word, you're not worshiping. You don't even know what worship is if you're not in the word. You're following someone else's lead, which is a counterfeit. First Chronicles 16, give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. You realize his kingdom is unshakable. So if you're ever feeling shaken, that means you're not aware of his presence and his kingdom more than what's going on in your life. Revelation 4, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will there will be created and have their being. You've created all things. Psalm 98, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Sing to the Lord a new song. That doesn't necessarily mean a new written song that we follow along in worship. Can that be part of it? Yes. But sing to the Lord a new song. It's a fresh revelation of who he is. And the new song is, God, I've become aware of something else about your nature. And I'm going to worship in that revelation. Sing to the Lord a new song. I found myself at times coming in. And like I said earlier, it's like when it starts to build up, when I can become aware of his presence, I begin to worship. I worship in response. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's actually not the way we should approach it. How many of you have ever, how many of you know what surfing is? I don't know how many people here have ever surfed, but if you don't know what surfing is, I don't know where you've lived, but I used to surf. If I stood on the beach going, I can't wait for that wave. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. If I don't paddle out and prepare myself, if I don't work towards what I'm actually seeking, I'm going to be standing there lacking for a long time. How many times do we approach worship the same way? Oh, when he comes, it's going to be good. I'm going to worship so good when he's here. I got to go to the store tonight. My kid's acting a fool. Man, my boss is telling me I'm on a PIP program. Or my car broke. But God, I know when you show up, oh, I'm going to worship you. Surfers only catch waves that they swim out to catch. When I walk in, I've got to start paddling towards the glory. It's not the thing lacking. I am. His glory's here at all times, ready for you to grab a hold of it. I've got to swim past the white water and the stuff that looks hard. If you've ever surfed, getting to the waves is not fun. But it's worth it. You guys okay? Surrender. (laughs) 
Oh, you know what? I, you know what I love about church? We wear the bandanas, the bracelets, the, we have the license plates and the stickers, and we're like, yeah, surrender. Surrender to God. I can do that until you have to surrender to God. It's like most things with God. Trust in the Lord. Yeah, I trust in God. Wait, I have to trust in God? Hmm. Surrendering to God through worship may involve surrendering our pride, our fears, our doubts, our desires, and actually allowing God to work in and through us for his glory. Worship isn't about you feeling glorified. It's about him being glorified. It involves acknowledging that God is sovereign and that his ways are higher than our own and seeking to align our lives with his will and his purposes. Surrendering to God is a key part of worship. Romans 12 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. How many of you like that verse? Five of you. How many of you should like that verse? All of you. I've struggled at times allowing myself to actually surrender and give myself as a living sacrifice. And I've used the excuse sometimes, I don't need to do that. God can touch me where I am. How arrogant are you to think that he's going to come to your place when he's the one you're worshiping? It's like being invited over to somebody's house and you drive up and you sit out in your car. No, they'll come get me if they want me. <laughs> you were invited. That should have been enough. It's up to you to walk in. How many of us walk in here even? And we sit in our seats. I don't need to raise my hand. I don't need to come up front. I don't need to. I don't need to. I don't need to. And we can justify it because is God everywhere and can he touch you there? He sure can. Will he? He might. But it's not about any of that. It's about offering our lives as a living sacrifice. That's an actual physical response to worshiping God. I don't feel like it. Good. Go home. Because what you're doing here, you can do there. Sorry, that's going to sting a little. I'm not calling some of you out. I'm calling all of you out. I'm calling myself out. I will sit on this front row and force myself to do a little bit knowing that I'm not actually giving anything for him. Because it's a responsibility as a pastor to demonstrate what worship's like but I'm faking it sometimes as much as half of us in here. I can't do that anymore. I cannot allow myself to be okay with not giving myself as a living sacrifice to the one who is worthy. I don't care how I feel. I don't care if I have a headache. I don't care if I'm not in a good mood. I don't care if I just got in a fight with somebody that's close. I don't care if I'm struggling with something. I don't care. I don't care if I'm going to go eat one of the best meals I've ever had right after church. So I'm like, we got to get out of here. None of it matters. I need to give myself in worship. If you're coming here to set aside time to worship, don't not worship. That's, that's really silly. I hope you all agree with that. I think it's really kind of, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy. I want, you know, I need to sacrifice myself. Worship takes sacrifice. Do you, do you understand that? It is not easy to choose to do the right thing all the time. It is not easy to push past everything going on and say, I don't care, I'm giving it to you, I'm going to sacrifice what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, what I'm struggling with, what I'm happy, I'm going to sacrifice all of that because right now, it's about you. When did the word sacrifice become taboo in the church? 
And we all say, oh yeah, I sacrifice for the Lord when it's convenient, but that's not actual sacrifice. Sacrifice requires you to do something you don't want to do. Let go of something you don't want to let go of. If it's convenient, it's not sacrificial. Worship was never meant to be easy or convenient. God desires us to offer our worship with sacrifice, our heart and our passion. If your worship has no cost, your worship has no worth. Worship is not meant to be solely for our own benefit. It's a commandment to honor God for his goodness, regardless of our feelings. If you attend a worship service and leave feeling unfulfilled, then you miss the point of true worship. I've struggled with this. I've traveled to do ministry. You go to speak at a church and they start their worship. And sometimes we can get confused that what we do here on the stage with such anointing and excellence, how many of you are thankful for our worship? Now, this is a factor of what we do. It's not what worship truly is. It's a factor of worship. But we have people in our community that know how to worship God and draw us in with them. We are blessed beyond measure with worship. If you don't believe me, start traveling. But if my measure of how good a worship service is based on the skill and the anointing coming from up here, I've missed it. Because if I can't worship the Lord in a place that doesn't sound good, feel good, whatever, then I've missed the idea of what worship... It's about Him, not about what I'm feeling or experiencing. Well, I just don't feel the anointing. Good. It wasn't about you feeling the anointing anyways. It's about you worshiping the anointed one. If your feelings dictate the level of worship, we're all in trouble. And it's honestly pride that can prevent us from doing the things we sometimes don't feel like doing. How many of you have been coming to this church for at least three months? How many times have you heard one of us get up and encourage you to come forward, encourage you to step out, encourage you to like just make an action forward? How many of you have felt that or heard that here? And you can be honest. You don't have to raise your hands. You can just send me an email later. My email's Joaquin Evans at... Um, how many of you sometimes it feels a little offensive? I mean, be, just being honest. It's like, I, I don't want to do that. Why do you keep telling me? It's like, I'm feeling pressured that I have to do what everybody else is doing. You're missing our heart. You're missing our call. We're trying to call you past what you're comfortable with. It's not because, hey, if we get more people up front, it looks good. It, it feels better when everybody's up front. Yeah, I like that more. Oh, everybody needs to be louder because it just makes me feel like we're more successful. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with us realizing that we get stuck and we need people to help us out of it. So we want to just help you get past what's not convenient for you, what's not normal to you, what's preventing you from actually experiencing all of what's available in the room. Does it mean that you're going to have that encounter that's life-changing if you do what we say? Maybe. But it doesn't have anything to do with that. It has to do with you positioning your heart, your body, your mind, and your voice towards the one who is worth worshiping. Giving our lives, our physical lives, as a sacrifice. I want to go over some of the physical ways that we worship. Standing. That's an aha one. So many people still don't stand. It's okay, as long as you're not stuck. Hear me. I'm going to say some things that you may think, he's talking about me, because he always tells me to do this, and I never do this. 
Anything I mention here, it's not because it's the only way to do it, but it is a way that you should. Don't get stuck in one way of doing anything. Because then you get numb and you actually forget the purpose of what you're doing. It becomes religious and it becomes repetition rather than a response to his holiness. Standing, Nehemiah 9. I'm just going to give you, you guys get to go read this stuff. Standing is a common posture of worship. Stepping forward. It's actually biblical. Stepping forward is a physical act that can symbolize our willingness to move towards God. Joshua 3. Dancing. Dancing can be a powerful and joyful expression of worship, celebrating God's goodness and faithfulness. 2 Samuel 6. Psalm 149. Psalm 150. There are so many verses on these. Now, respectfully, we ask you not to dance like David danced in the corporate meetings. If you don't know why people are laughing, go read your Bible. Somebody's like, but it's biblical. It's also offensive. When you become king and you have a street that's yours, you can do all the naked dancing you want to do. Until then, keep your clothes on. Kneeling. Kneeling is a posture of humility and surrender. Philippians 2. Bowing. Bowing is a posture of submission and respect. Psalm 95, 2 Chronicles 7. Lifting your hands. Lifting hands is a posture of surrender and adoration. Psalm 63, Psalm 134. Being prostrate. Prostration is a posture of complete surrender and submission. Matthew 26. There's so many more. Those are just some of them. We could get into flags and we could get into musical instruments and we could get into even how we interact with one another in a place of worship. There's so many things physically that we could enter into as an expression of worship. Now, how many of you get distracted by people sometimes with their expression of worship? Good, get over it. Now that's hard. I get distracted at times. I have trained myself to say, I don't know why they're worshiping like that. And unless I know that it is not of God, I can't allow myself to judge their worship. First church I was a part of, uh, well, I, when I first got saved, I went to like eight different churches. And then I found my home church, found my beautiful bride there. Joaquin Jahi got saved in this church. It's a good church. There was a young, there, not young man, there was a man who obnoxiously worshipped. And I'm just going to say it like that because that's how I perceived it. He was loud. He was crazy. Like he was running all around and, you know, it's like a kid on crack. It was just, uh, just all over, climbing on chairs. It was crazy. I mean, this guy worshipped obscenely. It was just like, and it was so distracting. I was very new in the Lord. It was so distracting. And it was distracting enough to where a lot of people complained about him. I mean, just being honest, if we're all standing here worshiping, somebody's dancing and flailing and singing and jumping off key, different songs, rolling on the ground, jumping up. In the, I mean, you'd all be like, uh, security? <laughs> Pastor Joaquin, why aren't you taking care of that? It happened enough to where our pastor actually talked about it one weekend at church. And he said the very simple line. And honestly, it broke me. God, I'm getting emotional thinking about it. Hmm. It broke me, and it actually shut up the voices of the people that were distracted. He said, if you knew what he came from, you'd know why he worships like that. That's all that needed to be said. Because I didn't know what he came from. And I didn't know why he worshipped that way. I just knew I didn't like it. That was a marking moment for me. And from that point on, I began to say, if I'm distracted, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to take account of my own mind and say, I'm not going to allow myself to be distracted by someone else's freedom and someone else's worship. 
because I don't know. Well, I know that person. They're still living in sin, okay? They can still be having a moment with God and you don't know what you don't know. Don't judge someone else's worship. If it's at a point to where it is actually harming the greater body, we'll take care of it. And our pastor did. He said, hey, he had a talk with him and he said, hey, I'm never gonna stop you from worshiping because I know where you've been. But I'm gonna ask you to do it over there. And he did well a lot. Not all the time. But honestly, after that was said from, from our pastor, it was like, I, I, I refuse to judge somebody else's worship. I don't know where they've come from and I don't know why they do what they do. Hmm. What would it be like if we all came ready to immediately step forward with ourselves as a living sacrifice? Like, what, if, what would our services be like? What would our church become if when you walk through the door, everything was already set aside and you're like, I'm giving, I'm stepping forward. I'm finding my place in this place that is for you and I, God. And we actually didn't allow ourselves to be robbed from the honor and the pleasure of praising our king. Well, I've had a hard day. I, I get it. My back hurts. Okay. I'm not saying there's not reasons you can't be sitting down, but I'm saying if you're always sitting down, there's reasons you should stand up. Can I have the worship team come on back up? Yeah. Hey, come on. All right, everybody on stage. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. It's funny, we have, we have termed things in the church the worship team. That's all of us. But there is a group of people that have actually set themselves apart. They've, they've trained themselves up. They've got an anointing on their lives to lead people. Because not everyone's in that place. Not everyone has an awareness or an understanding. And honestly, how many of you have ever walked in and felt like, I really need to be led somewhere right now? Like, I have those days. It's like, man, I just need to be led. Now, is it their responsibility to introduce me to Jesus in that moment? No. But they actually help me realize, you know what? If they're sitting there doing it, I can do it too. They're demonstrating something that I can behold and say, you know what? That's what I need to do right now. We are so blessed with our worship teams here. Hmm. Why don't you guys stand? I'm actually purposely ending this early compared to our normal stop time. And it's not so that you can leave early. <laughs> I've already seen a few people, you know, they're waiting for me to walk this way and they're over here and they're like trying to get out. I'm like, saw you anyway, sorry. <laughs> I have come to worship with a heart of complete surrender. Seeking to abandon myself fully to God without any strings attached. My desire is to give him everything simply because of who he is, not because of what I gain from it. Worshiping God for personal benefit is selfish and manipulative. The beauty behind true worship is recognizing the priceless worth and value of God himself. I have that written in my notes and I paste it in here because I speak that to myself just about every day or at least every day I can remember to, just being honest. But it's a reminder to myself, this is why I've come to worship. It doesn't mean that when I show up at church, this is what I do. When I get in my car, 
I'll read this before I start my car because it's like, I'm going to throw on worship and I'm actually going to just be, sometimes throwing on worship means turning off my stereo. Because sometimes throwing on worship is getting rid of noise. I don't have a good singing voice. I joke around and say I sing like Old Testament. It sounds like the slaughtering of animals. (laughs) But it is my worship. So I will give it to God anytime, anywhere. This thought. I feel like the American church specifically, but I feel like the church has become all too familiar with God and we've lost the awe and reverence of his holiness. It, it is that, that thing we cannot understand. He is so perfect and separated and holy, there is nothing that can be near him. And yet, he's here, he's my father, and he calls me friend. He is as far away as he possibly can be, and he's nearer than my own breath. Who is this king? <laughs> And why has he revealed himself the way he has? I have been searching for something that humbles me to my knees. And my heart's desire is to worship him fully. I have a burning desire to know and understand who he truly is. He's my father. He's my savior. He's my God. And I want to know the very essence of his heart. I don't want to speak this verse, just read this verse, and then I want us to worship. I want us to actually not think about the time, not think about how quickly we're going to be able to get out of here and end service. At 8.30, go pick up your kids. That doesn't mean at one minute, start looking at your clock. Okay, got 18 minutes, got 17. Get lost for a moment. Understand that what we're about to step into has nothing to do with the song they're singing, the words they're singing. It has to do with the position of your heart, your body, and your mind, and your voice. I'm actually going to ask that you step out. Do something you're not necessarily used to doing, but step out. Don't allow yourselves to say, I don't want to. I'm comfortable where I am. Don't allow yourselves to be robbed from the opportunity to do something different and encounter the fullness of his presence. Psalm 29. Be in awe before his majesty. Be in awe before such power and might. Come worship wonderful Yahweh. Arrayed in all his splendor bowing in worship as he appears in the beauty of holiness. Give him the honor due his name. Worship him wearing the glory garments of your holy priest calling. We are all called priests. That means we get to enter into the place of worship. There is no veil between us. If you can become aware in this moment there, there is no veil. There's no separation from you and his glory right now. And if you don't know that, if you can't feel that, then allow yourself to believe the truth of his word and actually know that he is nearer than your own breath. And he's worth every bit of our praise, every bit of our worship. So we've got about 20 minutes left in the scheduled time tonight, but I just want us to enter this place of worship. Just give up everything that you have brought in here tonight. Enter into a place of saying, God, I'm going to give everything to you, all of it. You are worthy of my praise. And I really believe that some of you will begin to encounter his glory in a way you've never encountered it before. I actually feel that there are going to be eyes open tonight in the spirit. I think some of you are going to begin to see clearer in the spirit than you've ever thought possible. 
The angelic realm is going to open up. There are going to be colors and lights. I believe that you're going to have actually have vision into the heavenlies. I see that opening up tonight. I don't know why, just all, wow. All of a sudden, I really believe there is an opening of eyes and ears and awareness of his presence and his glory that's going to shatter your concept of who God is. Yeah, Father, we just welcome you. We welcome your presence. We say yes to you, Father. We say yes to you. God, I recognize and I honor your holiness. I know that you are perfect in every way. And God, I feel you so near to me. God, I worship you because of your worth, not because of anything I have or want, but because of your worth, your goodness, your glory, your honor. Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.